Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. I had a very long message, so I had to divide it into two. So what I will emphasize in this service will be a bit different from what I emphasized in the last service. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so I was telling them in the first service how I started swimming recently. Like trying to swim, Sha. <laughs> At least now when I see water, I don't run away and assume I'm going to drown once my leg enters inside. Because that's how I feel before. Now, when I want to um, bond with my kids, I take them swimming. We're all learning to swim. Kind of cool. <laughs> But you, I don't know if you believe it. When I started learning to swim, I never prayed about it. And I'm very spiritual. But I didn't pray about it because it's a hobby. Do you get? Like, when I want to bond the pastor sometimes, I'll bring a game of what? Who knows what? Who doesn't know what? Gen Z, they don't know what. They don't know what's up. <laughs> but how do your parents say what's up? How do they say what's up? What's up? So baby boomers, baby boomers, all those, yeah, one is what's up. How do you say happy birthday? HBD, LLMP. <laughs> oh my God. Like millennials will type something and you're wondering, is this, not millennials, Gen Z. Is this English? Like just, but anyway, that's by the way. So choosing a hobby. Whenever I will bring words to Pastor, I'll be like, let's play. Pastor is one of the most spiritual people I know. He's never for once said, I think I'll have to pray about this. Because it's a hobby. It's not something that you would thoughtfully consider and be like, you know what, I don't think God will have me play this game today. I don't think he'll have me pick three and pick twos. <laughs> I think he'll want me to just be picking souls. I'm on a roll today. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but that's the thing. There are some things in life that you don't need to consider too much. Which one of them is choosing a hobby. But when it comes to relationships, relationships, dating or courtship, whatever you'd like to call it. I don't really bother too much about the semantics. It's not really what you call it. It's what you do in it. Some people have been courting for 10 years. They don't have a date. Some dated for two years and they have a date. And they've wedded. So it's what you do in it. Right? I remember posting a video. Somebody said, I can't believe you're encouraging Christians to be dating. I'm like, Yeah. I don't want them to just marry someone as soon as they meet the person. I want them to get to know the person. Not know, biblical know. <laughs> so it depends on what you do. Some people use the term dating and have um, very clean relationships, no sex involved. Some people use courtship. And the courtship is even making them feel like they are almost married. They now begin to act like they are married. But dating or courtship is not a hobby. How do I know you are handling dating as a hobby? Number one, you choose it without thinking. You choose without thinking. Without carefully considering, you choose. Ah, this guy is fine. See chest. 
see sheep, see Moses. They're like, girl, your behind is a killer. Maybe your character too is also a killer, but you don't care because it's killing you once. <laughs> so it's important that if you don't see, if you see dating as something that is not a hobby, you're more intentional about how you choose, about the decisions you make. Praise the Lord. So one way to know that you are, you are dating as a hobby is when you choose without thinking or without carefully considering it. Praise the name of the Lord. Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. And some of us, you don't exercise much, but you like to jump into conclusions. Ah, God. I will never leave you or forsake you. <laughs> but you are so good at jumping into conclusions. Somebody just comments on your boyfriend's post. Ah, you call him. So, I thought you were different. <laughs> and you've concluded all men are scum. You're so innocent. You say same. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so, a lot of times we rush into conclusions a lot. And it's something that is not just peculiar only to our generation. I think it's something that is very, very common onto, onto men. Concluding. Some of you, your mom will just see you smiling. Smiling on face. Who is, who is that boy? Say, but I don't get pregnant. Like, how? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's important that you carefully consider. Carefully consider your state of mind. Carefully consider the person you are choosing. Carefully consider this person's character before making a decision about relationships. How else do I know you're handling dating or courtship as a hobby? when you have little or no standards. And I want you guys to help me judge a case. When I, before I go marry them, this is very, very important, please pay attention. Please, I need your help. <laughs> before I go married, if I'm playing what? Card. You can block everything. You can block pick three, right? Hey, hey! You can block, and you guys are helping me win. You can block pick three and pick two. But you can't block Jen Jen. When I got married, my husband said it's only pick two they used to block. Is it only pick two they block? Ha! I'm just thinking of all the games I've lost. And people had funny things. For some people, when you were growing up, eight was suspension. For some of you, eight was not, not, just normal. For some of you, they, they played double. Some guys are just confused, like, what is she talking about? You only played Monopoly. Up to now, I don't even know how to play with God. Believe I, your girl. <laughs> but it's a game. It's a hobby. The rules don't really count as much. Although pastor plays like, is, I don't know. My husband is very serious in life, so he likes to win. <laughs> but apart from that, it's a hobby. It doesn't really matter whether five is pick three. You know some people play and five is not pick three. That's a sin. Ha! Only pick two and Jen Jen in a game. What kind of game is that? <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. Jen Jen is general market now. <laughs> There's someone who says you cannot use. There's this annoying one. Sorry. What makes me very emotional? That you cannot use uh, 20 to check. <laughs> People are not serious. I'm not playing with you guys. <laughs> but it's a game. 
So it doesn't really matter what the standards are. And for some people, dating is a game. They don't really, you don't have to have standards. Just, ah, you are fine. I'm fine. Let's be fine together. <laughs> and so you spend your time, you spend your emotions, you release yourself to unnecessary sexual temptation for something that you have no idea where it's going. So how do I know you're treating dating as a hobby? When you choose without thinking or considering, when you have little or no standards, when you have... When you have no end in sight, no end in sight. When I go swimming, after a while, I stopped trying to learn all the plenty, plenty work. I just wanted to enter one part of the water and be safe. So now when I go, my instructor doesn't even look at me. I was like, don't worry, teach the children. I go to the part that is shallow. When I like, I put my head inside the water. When I don't like, I bring it out. I don't have any goals. I don't want to be Michael Phelps. And so for some of you, that's like, I don't have a timeline. I can do five minutes, I can do one hour, I can do two hours. And for some of you, I just defined your relationship. How long are we going to be dating for? Let's see how we go. Ah, you guys are there. Let's go with the, what is the flow? Who is determining the flow? Is it swimming that is the water that is determining the flow? Many of us are like that. And like, ah, so when are you guys getting married? They will not laugh. If I ask you, if you are dating someone's child, and I ask you when you get married, and you laugh. Somebody is praying. Let's not go there. And you just laugh. It's someone that says, I'm not sure she's the one I want to marry. What are you? I'm in church. Let me just keep it down. What do you mean you're not sure? When you enter a relationship, the goal is to plan to get married. If you don't have a plan to get married, you will waste your time. I'm not saying that you must marry the person. You say, ah, I always told myself I'll marry the first person I told. I, the first person I would tell I love you. I'll marry the first person I kiss. I'll marry the first person. He can be the first person or she can be the first person and be the wrong person. So I'm not saying that you must marry the person you are dating. I'm just saying that it has to be part of the plan. There has to be a timeline. If you enter your car, you drive, not in Lagos, maybe in places that things are normal, like, <laughs> because we're in this country, <laughs> it's normal. Let's be fair, maybe like Abuja. And you say you want to just go out for a drive, you want to have fun. It will do it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like, you're still driving out, you're still having fun, you're going out for a drive. I did that with my kids once in a while. But when you've been driving for five hours, and you don't know where you are going, I want to put it to you that you are actually lost. Because that's a journey without a destination. So before you date someone, not, I was teaching them, when we were talking about attraction code, and I'm sure Pastor did an incredible job here, I watched the message, I was so blessed. We were talking about attraction code in Abuja last week. As I mentioned, Pastor, I forgot everything I was... Oh, love is sweet. <laughs> I forgot every single thing I was about to say. Praise the Lord. But there has to be a balance. You have to have an end in sight. Not that you're just dating casually. 
There are things that you could be doing with your life if you invest the three hours you are spending a day to talk on the phone to somebody that you don't plan to marry. If you invested those three hours in that online course you paid for that you've not yet finished, your life will be different. If you use it to do Bible study plan that your pastors are always shouting about since the beginning of the year, your life will be very different. I remember what I wanted to say that time. Attraction must not always end in a relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it will help you to train yourself. If you get involved with everybody you get attracted to, you're going to run into trouble. Because your spec will not dis- dis- disappear after you get married. There are still people that might catch your attention. So if you've not learned to not always feed your affection to be a problem. Some of you meet someone you're attracted to, but you know you're not ready for a relationship at this point in your life. Or this person is not ready. Or this person might not be the one. There is no law that says because you're attracted to someone, you must pursue a relationship with that person. Should I say it again? There is no law that says that because you're attracted to someone, you must pursue a relationship with that person. It's a sign that this might be a good idea. But there are other factors to consider. So when there's no end in sight, when there's no objective, then it becomes a problem. And it means that you're doing your relationship as a hobby. The next one, when you only do the fun parts. Nothing can make me continue swimming after I'm tired. I don't want. Nothing. Or make me be playing what? Just endlessly. I don't know how to play. Okay, I know how to play Ludo now. Pastor taught me last year. But the beauty of a hobby is you do it when you like and you stop. For some of you, the issues you are facing in your relationship, it's not that you chose the right person, the wrong person, no. It's not that you're not meant for each other, whatever that means. It's that you are lazy. Too lazy to commit, too lazy to communicate, too lazy to change, too lazy to forgive, too lazy to pray about it. And so you only do the fun part. The truth is there is an ordinariness that many successful relationships have. The ability to just be friends, even when there are no, how do I explain this? You know that there are some periods where, in, even in Nigeria, we have fireworks, right? Imagine if we had fireworks every day, every single day. Bah, 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 bah. It's no longer be fun. For some of you, you are in good relationships, but your desire to be constantly entertained is what's giving you problems. See, ah, this, is so, is this relationship is so boring. Is, this, is the person in the television that you want the person to be entertaining you? So there is a beauty about being able to go about your normal life with someone. Do you get what I'm saying? Because your life will not stop when you get married. It's not as if maybe you had a life, you had a job, when you now get married. Just husband and wife, that's your life. So there is a kind of ordinariness, the ability for this person to be working and the other person to be working, but they know they love each other. Even though there are no fireworks going on right now. 
when you constantly need to be entertained, I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun, you should have fun. But when you constantly need to be entertained in a relationship, it might mean that some things are lacking. Intentional conversations might be lacking. Growth might be lacking. It might be that one or both of you are not driven about life. So, it's good to have fun in relationships. So, imagine every day you say today, we're going bungee jump. What is bungee jumping? That's the one they turn upside down from the bungee jumping. Tomorrow, they are flying out of airplane. Those things are beautiful. But imagine you doing it every day. When you are with somebody that you are dating, the fireworks are beautiful. But how are you guys when nothing is burning? Just that ordinariness to have conversations. Because largely, that's what courtship is all about. Attraction is a big thing. But can you be yourself with this person even when you're not trying to impress? How do you guys complement each other's lives? Because that's marriage. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right. So, the first thing I said is dating is what? I said dating is not a hobby. Can you say that, please? Dating is not a hobby. The second thing, courtship is not an institution. You can be dating for 25 years. If you're not married, you're what? Say it now. If you're not married, you're single. You're still not married. So the institution that God recognizes is marriage. I'm not asking you to rush into marriage. I'm not pressurizing you. But the reason why I'm saying this is because some of us have become so carried away. If this person actually loves you so much that they've been with you for 10 years, they must love you enough to come. They've been with you for five years. They must love you enough to take the risk. Whenever I hear things like we've been together for six years, the person has a job, you have a job. He's just scared of marriage. That's why he has not proposed. He's scared of wanting, wanting. His father did not want to, want And many times, the reason why the person is not even interested in is because when you people get married, apart from Instagram pictures and paper, nothing will change. You're already doing all the things that married people do. There is a beauty in waiting. I'm talking about sex and other things. There's a beauty in waiting. There's something to look forward to, something to anticipate. I'm not saying people should get married just for sex. But if you make an institution out of courtship, it's going to be a while before you actually get married. Marriage is a step of faith. I've always taught you guys to date intelligently. Use your head, not just your feelings. Trust in the Holy Ghost. Watch, ask questions. But when two people stand before God to say their vows, they are taking a chance on each other. That we may not have lived together before. We may not have slept together before. I may not know all the things that I need to know, but I know enough. And with the information that I do know, 
I'm making this decision to take a chance on this person forever. Don't allow people use you to do testing. To test the waters. Let's see. <laughs> Don't, you to, see, you are very pre precious. So. You are very special. Don't allow someone take all your time. This is for ladies and for guys. Don't allow someone take all your time because they want to reward you with marriage. You are both bringing something to the table. So this is for you. You've been dating somebody for a while. Maybe you're even sleeping with the person. They don't want to marry you. Let's just see. Let's just see. Can I give you an instruction? It's time to walk away. Sexual immorality is more prevalent. And this is not me judging. Do you understand? But I realize that sometimes we don't really talk about this since that people are going through stuff. It's a different thing if both of you love the Lord, you make a mistake. Both of you are committed to doing better. But when one person sees you as, a, sees you as somebody who should bring wifely duties to the table, and this happens most times with ladies, but the person is not ready to make you a wife, think again. Do you understand me? All right, beautiful. Praise the Lord. So courtship is what? Not an institution. It also means that if, if you begin to notice character traits that are not consistent with what you want in your future, you can walk away. It's not a sin to end a relationship with a Christian. And the guy is so spiritual. I don't even know how will she break up with a guy like this. Are you the one dating him? Some of you are in relationships today because everybody in church knows you are dating. And even though you know that it will not work. Sorry, am I speaking your mind? Some of these things are not in my notes, but I feel I need to mention. And so even though, people, even though you know it's not going to work, you are there because people know you are dating. What will people say, gang? They will come and live with you in your marriage. It will just be you and that person. Praise the Lord. So courtship is not an institution. I didn't have a time to really share this very well with those in the first service, so I'll talk about it now. How do you know you are ready for marriage? How do you know? And this is speaking to people who might be in, currently in relationships or will soon get into relationships. How do you know you are ready for marriage? Number one, desire. Desire. Or number A, how do you know you're ready for marriage? Desire. I know I'm ready because I want to do it. That's not the only thing. But see, eh? Don't, don't let anybody pressure you into getting married. Even when you're ready, it's hard. Then we are doing it because every other person is married. My parents are pressuring me. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Desire. Some of you need to work on your desires so because your desires have been tainted by fear. Your parents' marriage did not work. So you're like, that's not for me. So some of you need to tune your desires to be in line with the word of God. Some of you need to work on your desires first. But the fact that you have a desire to get married, that's a good sign that you should get married. 
Um, the second one, which I will talk a little bit on, is maturity. I feel like if I got married the first year after I started dating, I would have destroyed everything, scattered the whole thing. Because sometimes you need to mature as an individual. Do you ever think about some stupid things you've done and laugh in private? Like I do it a lot. I'm like, ha! Or you, you mumu die. I'm thinking about someone else. I'm talking. The truth is that some of us still need to mature in that we don't even see the areas we need to grow. It's one step in maturity to know the areas you need to grow. It's another thing not to know at all. So some of us need to spend time with ourselves. You, there's a relationship we need to build yourself. Your relationship with God is great, perfect, amazing. Some of you don't really know yourselves well enough. As an individual, what areas do you need to grow? One of the greatest things that have helped me in life is that internal locus of control. The ability to look at my life and say, ah, I need to work on this, this, and this. And you are that powerful, especially as somebody who is born again, you have the Holy Spirit on your inside. So sometimes it might be speech, it might be conduct, the big things, it might be the little things like dressing. But your maturity as an individual, because who you are outside of a relationship is who you will be in a relationship. You're not going to a relationship to meet somebody new, apart from messing this. You're going there to meet yourself. So that, that maturity as an individual is something that you must work on. Praise the Lord. Maturity as an individual. And then the maturity of the relationship. Some relationships need more intense conversations. Some, in some relationships, some of you need to pray more. Some of you need to see each other in some particular kinds of circumstances. How does this person behave when they are angry? How do we settle quarrels? What are some things that keep recurring? So the maturity of the relationship will help you determine whether it's time to get married. It's not just, you notice I didn't say how long have you been dating. I said the maturity of the relationship. You know, some relationships mature very fast. In six months, you're really good friends. You have an idea of what your values are. For some of us, maybe if you started dating early, you might need a little bit more time. Praise the Lord. Some other things too, financial maturity. And I'm going to talk about this with a pinch of salt because some guys assume that they have to be millionaires before they get married. Like you have to have like the modest money. You don't. You don't. If you already have a place where you are living, that's not your parents' house or your friend's house, and you have a job. We also got married. I think when we got married, I think he was earning like 50K. And I think that was when things began to get better. So some of you, eh, your mindset, I don't know. Another thing is maybe it's the kind of person you are choosing to. You show someone that money is their, their way of gauging how great a guy is. I'm really sorry about that. But the right woman is not necessarily impressed by money. Don't let the music deceive you. 
the right person will love you for you. Doesn't mean that you should not be responsible. And um, financial maturity is not for guys alone. It's also for ladies. It's also for ladies. So, there was some, when we were dating, I jokingly told my husband, I said, do you know what's my dream? It's when, it's, it's when we get married, I'll just be spending your money. He didn't even laugh. <laughs> I was like, I'm kidding now. <laughs> you know, the work kind of things that. Very serious. So, the idea isn't to come into marriage with, you have your own, I have my own, so if you do anyhow, you see anyhow. <laughs> no, that's not the idea. That's not what I'm teaching you. Extremes, extremes, that's not what I'm teaching you. You know, say, let every woman have her own, so that if your husband, before your husband will talk to you anyhow, we look at you, like, ah. If, if, she, if, she, if she doesn't drop, First of all, if that's your case, I'm really sorry you've picked wrong goal. But it's important that you have a certain level of financial maturity. Your financial plan cannot be to marry somebody who is rich. That can be your four-year goal. It can't be. Marry no tell the last one. But that's not, that's not a business plan. Place value on yourself and value on your work. Praise the Lord. All right, of course, emotional maturity. I've talked about maturity before, but I still want to deal on this emotional maturity. When you and your friend fight, do you go and post it on social media? Those who hurt you most are the ones you trust the most. (laughs) Childish. Childish behavior. When you when you and your service unit leader disagree, how do you behave? When you guys have an argument, those things are important. You have to understand that the internet is going to be there when your children grow older. I want you. To, I want you to think, and they're going to know how to read. Hopefully. <laughs> but you're going to know how to read. So many of you in your dealings, in your business dealings, I say, ah, you don't know I'm mad. If I off my mm you're not mad. You're not. So you have to understand that the decisions you are making now in your relationship and your life will affect not just you, but your generations to come. Imagine if when Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, he just went on Insta blog to start slut shaming her. I want to talk to you today about my fiance. Or is it fia- fiance? When I met her, she was very innocent. How do you react in difficult situations? How do you react? Praise the Lord. So emotional maturity very important. See, I won't really dwell on that age of consent. Age of consent. <laughs> you are still collecting money from your parents to feed yourself. You're angry that they don't want you to marry the <laughs> You're angry that they want to choose wife for you are. <laughs> so that's also maturity, but age is also there. Age is also important. The truth is it might become more difficult for you to do some things when you get married. 
So if I date someone that's in maybe 200 level, or two of you are in 200 level, you need time. Or maybe she's in 200 level, you need time. So age, there's a certain um, age aspect to it too. And of course, convictions. Convictions. There's some people like met who say, I believe that God wants me to marry at this particular age. And even if you don't get married at that age, like don't kill yourself. Because marriage is not your purpose in life. Do you understand that? But convictions, especially when you're in a relationship with someone and you enter having the same expectations. So for some of you in your mind, you're dating someone in your mind, you are getting married next year. But in his mind, he's getting married five years from now. Because you guys haven't talked about it. So that's the reason why I love something that Pastor Bimbo Dekwa used to say, that courtship is not a time for intercourse, it's a time for interview. So many of us are in our relationships now based on assumption. In fact, you're in a relationship with someone that is not in a relationship with you based on what? Assumption. If I had a wife, I want her to have your hair. He said, when do you guys start dating? He said, yeah. Do you really know it? It's a long story, you. He said, so when are you getting married? Ha. Ah, God will forgive you. So, you need to have conversations. Talk about it. When people, when they propose to people and they seem surprised, it confuses me. I don't understand. You were dating so that what? Like, oh my God, I never ex- you never expected it. Problem. Marriage is not something that someone rewards you with. It's a beautiful thing. And if they, if they, if they can surprise you with the engagement, but not with the news of engagement. Do you understand? Like you're surprised that the person you're dating wants to marry you. Is it me that will propose to you before? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then, of course, love. Sometimes love finds you. But it has to be in line with all these other things. And their mutual understanding. When you're dating someone, it should be natural to start discussing, so when do we get married? If you date somebody for a while, and marriage talk seems like you are putting pressure on the person. When you bring up marriage, you're like, I don't know. So, like, please, I don't mean to be sharp, but what's the point of this? Praise the Lord. Some people are just getting it. <laughs> so notice, I didn't say, you know you're ready for marriage when your family tells you, or everybody's doing it, everybody around you is married. Everybody has different timetables, but convictions by the end of the Spirit. Sometimes you start dating someone, and you pray about it, and there's a check, like, it's not yet time. But the more you pray about it, the clearer it becomes. So convictions are very, very, very important. Um, another thing I'm going to emphasize in this series, notice I didn't also say, my biological clock is ticking. So I need to get married now, now, now. There are some things that happen in our society that we don't really talk about. Like you're getting older. You're not really meeting people. It might take a while. You're like, ah, if I'm going to have children, I have to get married now. So you just pick anybody because of the clock. That clock will now become slower when you marry the wrong person. 
Because even after you have the children, people again, I see, I can never advocate for getting married because of children. Either to have them or because you are pregnant with them. Because even when that child is born, there is a marriage to focus on. And if you marry simply because of children, it's going to sell on that child. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people are saying, I'm getting older, so you just marry anybody so that you can get pregnant and get married. After that, what next? You now become the only person raising your kids, fending for your family because you chose just anybody. Be patient. God has sons. God has daughters. I'm not saying you should be unnecessarily picky. Attraction code, I'm sure pastors have taught you. No one is perfect. But please have standards. Praise the Lord. The third thing I'm going to say, code three, is that successful relationships are possible. Successful relationships are possible. More businesses fail than marriages. But guess what? Nobody has said, I don't understand this institution of buying and selling. I feel we should just scrap the whole thing. Because even though businesses fail, they are still a good idea. Because there are many businesses that succeed. So successful relationships are possible. Some of you, the reason why your view on relationship is, permit me to say, a little myopic, is because you focus so much on the ones that are not working. You focus so much. You, when you have a business plan, you don't go and meet the person with all the failed businesses. Oh. You try to have a meeting with someone who has a successful business. But when you want to take relationship advice, you look for the horror tales. Say, eh -huh. So your boyfriend, your husband left you after 25 years for housemaid. Ha! Men has come. If you would focus your eyes on what works, ten years, um, chances are it's going to work for you. But you need to have that mindset that successful relationships are possible. There are people who are faithful to their spouses. There are women whose husbands lost everything and they stayed with them. There are people who are happy. Happy. Almost every time I was one, I'm so happy I chose you. There are sometimes when I'm like, oh, I shall love you, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> Even though the husband part can be tricky at times. So no relationship is perfect, but successful relationships are possible. And you must have that mindset, praise the Lord. So keys to successful relationships, I'm going to run through this because I want to focus on a number of things. But keys to successful relationships. Number one, be the right person. I know the first person who broke up with you, your friends told you, don't mind her. All these girls, they're not serious. The other person broke your heart, your friends are like, men has come. Your friends didn't tell you it was your fault. Sometimes a breakup is your fault. It's because you have anger issues. It's because you have character flaws. Not all the time. So the ability to work on yourself is something you must have. The next one, of course, is choosing the right person. Choosing the right person. When I was secondary school, if you put me, say, on debate team, creative writing club, I would do well. 
But you see that Atilogu dance. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the song. If you put me there, ha, ah, problem. We know in primary school we used to have two groups. The we used to have Igbo dancing group, and then I think the Niger Delta one. And Niger Delta people were always few, and I'm from Niger Delta. So hey, I'm from Niger Delta. Okay, come and join. And they will always remove me from the first day because <laughs> I can't dance to save my life. Talk less of your own. So if you choose me or your group, you've lost already. That one is sure. And there are people in marriages today who are, in many ways, fighting a losing battle because they've already chosen the wrong partner. It's not after you marry someone that you wish they can be all you want them to be. What you should do instead is to look very well before you marry the person. Someone's got married as a door without a handle. Can people change? Yes. Can marriage change them? No. Sometimes it can change them and make them worse. It was giving you one slap before you now got married, you lose belts. Praise the Lord. So choosing the right person. I talk, I've, talked, I've taught you guys about this over and over again. About choosing rights. Choosing with God. See, attraction is nice. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. But it's not everything. It's not everything. If you choose someone based on how hot the person looks. Like, oh God. It doesn't add up. We did, a, we did a, short, um, a short poll in the first service. Please, married people, I know you didn't know why I wanted to ask you to raise your hand in the first service, but even though you know now, if you're married, please, can you raise your hand? You're married. Oh, people that got married yesterday. Hi, good to see you guys. You're married. Just leave your, put it, leave your hand up. Married people, lovely. If, since you got married and you've been married more than three months, you have sex every day, leave your hand up. I don't know. It's like through the corner of my eye. I saw people that just got married a few months ago also put their hand down. So, I know they told you that when you get married, you'll be having sex every day. Abby? Like you always have sex when you get married. Every day, every day. It's not true. I mean, you can try. <laughs> it's just, it's not really very feasible. So if you marry somebody only based on how, on your idea of how well they'll do in bed. Because I'm hoping you haven't experienced it yet. But if you marry somebody based on that, you're going to run into serious trouble. Praise the Lord. So you must choose right. Character, values. When you marry someone, you are marrying their values. You are marrying their values. When you stand before God on the last day and he's asking you, so why didn't your children know the Lord? You're also saying, Lord, you're not going to understand. You see, I saw this guy, hot. Six-pack. But he just, he wasn't really saved and well, I loved him. The person you marry will determine whether or not you can do ministry. Whether or not your children will know the Lord. Whether you will live your dreams. Whether you will do all that God has called you to be. Sometimes, whether you will live or die, how your money will be spent, you can't choose that solely based on hips and be a bear. You can't. 
Like, someone told me something very interesting. I was like, ah, so tell me about your spec. And she was like, I like bald guys. I say, hey. I haven't heard that one before. Like, there's just something about the baldness. <laughs> and it's okay if you have specs like that. It's okay. It's okay if you have specs like that. But just make sure that there are other things. That you don't make your negotiables non-negotiable. I was married someone with an accent. Why? Does it mean visa? <laughs> and even if it means visa, like the world is coming to an end. Think bigger. Praise the Lord. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer will help you have a successful relationship. Prayer will teach you things. It will teach you things. Some of you, the constant fights you are having if you spend time praying, and I'm not talking about arguing about praying as a couple. I'm talking about actually praying as individuals and then perhaps as a couple. Well, many times, if you pray more as individuals, you will pray more as a couple. What a lot of married and dating couples do is they begin to argue. So we are supposed to be the spiritual leader. We are not praying. And they fight about praying. The purpose of praying was supposed to make you be more intimate but you now fight about it and push each other further apart. When I first got married, I didn't tell my husband, let's pray. He said, see, you just woke up. I was praying all night. But your personal growth as an individual, your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Even if you marry the most spiritual man of God or woman of God in the world, your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Trustee, I married the most spiritual person I know. My spiritual growth is still my responsibility. It's your responsibility. You can marry the most spiritual person and still not grow spiritually. So prayer. Prayer. About your relationship, about your life, and prayer in general. The next one, communication. Once people hear the word communication, they just imagine themselves talking. Like today, they say communication is important. How am I going to say that thing I've been trying to say? Maybe you should listen. Some of you, your partner has been trying to tell you the same thing since you guys started dating since 2016. You've still not heard. Because every time they open their mouth to talk, their mouth is moving. But in your brain, you are working up a response. I can explain it for you because I've been guilty of it before. Listen. Listen. And then, of course, there are times when you need to open your mouth and talk. So what I would teach you to do is to learn to read your partner's mind, but to behave as if they can't read your mind. Should I come again? Learn to read your partner's mind, but behave as if they can't read your mind. There are some ways my husband would do his face. He might be smiling. I know this guy is upset. But if I want to communicate something that upsets me, I'm not going to do my own face. I'm going to carefully bring it up. Do you understand that? So communication helps when it comes to successful relationships. One big one, selflessness. Selflessness. I know you're thinking of all the Godwin videos you've seen and how it would be nice if somebody did this amazing thing for you. But the best way to teach someone to be selfless it's by example. And I don't mean the example of doing so they will say and say, hey, this is how they do it though. Next time, if you like, when is your turn? 
But I mean really bringing yourself under to learn to be selfless. When you are selfless, you will invoke selflessness in the other person. Especially if that person is saved. And it better be saved. Praise the Lord. The next one, being intentional. Which is where romance comes in. Think about it. God sends his son Jesus to die for us. Which is an everlasting testament to the fact that he loves us. But guess what? He still tells us in his word that he loves us. He didn't just say, Jesus has died for them, they should know. That's what someone said, ah, I married my wife, she should know I love If I don't love you, will I marry you? So your example is Christ. If you are thoughtless, if you are not romantic, you didn't learn it from God. This is not just for guys, for ladies too. So the ability to be intentional, you learn it from the Lord. Generosity. Love gives. And love gives irrespective of gender. Should I come again? In other words, it's not a sin for women to give gifts as well. It's your three-month anniversary or one-year anniversary. You're not the only one that was married into the marriage. Do you understand? You're not the only one that is dating yourself. They were like, oh, you didn't surprise me. My ex did better. Don't let it turn that fire in your mouth. (laughs) 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 Do you guys hear that nice song? Ah, God. All those songs that we can't sing because we don't want to confess negative. But Jesus... But generosity is important. Giving of your time. Giving of your emotions. Some of you, your emotions are too. You've been hurt so many times. You love this person, boy. You're a me hard guy. Why? So generosity. Generosity is very important. Um, and then, my, I want to move my number eight here to later. Maturity and growth. There are some silly things I used to do in marriage before that I don't do anymore because growth, growth, maturity. So people can do better. But what I'm saying is that if you are dependent on them doing better to have a good relationship, if that's what you are dependent on, you have issues. And then the next one, wise counsel. Wise counsel. One of the best things that happened to me in my marriage was getting counseling. I don't even mean premarital counseling. I mean counseling in marriage as well. And the next one is vision, which leads me to my number four point. Love is visionary. What did I say? Love is visionary. Imagine Rebecca and Isaac. Like Rebecca is already like an empowered woman, comes from a rich home. And then she's passing a well. And one guy, old man, is there. And then he has the F1 tree to ask her, can you fetch water for me and my camels? If I was a man, would you ask me that? Like, no, you guys feel like all women are slaves. You that you came here with camel. You didn't know they would drink water or what? No, no, no. If I was a... Because women have suffered. Do I, do I look like... Do I look like buckets? Like, is it even bad enough you want to drink water, I should now be feeding your animals as what? As what now? Then you want to carry me from my hometown to go and meet Isaac. Why? Like, 
Is it that he can't travel here and be living here? I know that you have a mindset. Let your mindset be based on the word of God. Let your mindset be based on the word of God. The, the, the world will teach you that you should never serve. You are a queen. Sometimes when I hear that word, I get a little tired because it's been so abused. But the Bible tells us that whosoever wants to be great in our kingdom must first be what? A servant. Must first be a servant. Think about that for a moment. So, Abraham's family was the only family that knew God in the world at this time. And by serving and choosing to follow a man to a place she had never been, Rebecca became part of the lineage of Christ. I can't do that though, me. Why would I go to, so you've not even married me. I'll now go to your mother's house and be washing plates. For what? Me, wash plates. Why? Am I not a guest? So you want me to meet your pastor, your pastor that is my age mate. I will meet him and I will be calling him sir. Why? I pray that God will give you the wisdom to see things the way he does. I was spending some time studying today about the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4. Elisha used to pass her city often. And she would make him stop by to eat something. And one time she told her husband, she said, see, I think we need to build a room for this man to be staying. There were no hotels at the time. I think we need to build a room for him to stay whenever he passes by. And the next verse doesn't even tell us the husband said this or he said that. Shall by the next verse, Elisha had a room in the house. And that saved them a lot. Because of that encounter, she had a child, even though her husband was, ho was old and she had been barren for a while. Hallelujah. Because of that encounter, she had a child, even though her husband was old and she had been barren for a while. Because of that encounter, when her child died, Elisha raised him from the dead. Because of that encounter in 2 Kings 8, when there was going to be a famine in Shunem, Elisha told her and she left. Because of that encounter, seven years later, when she had lost all her property, it was Gehazi who did one good thing in his life, thank God. It was Gehazi who told the king, so this is the woman that Elisha knew, and he gave her all her property, the current day's worth. God is going to lead you to make decisions that may not seem wise to the normal eye. That may not seem like That may not seem wise to the normal eye. He's going to lead you to make decisions that people may say, ah, are you stupid? Why would you, why would you do that? Like, people will say funny things, I hear. 
Like you're dating a guy who's two years older than you. He has church. Wow. Where is the church? Ikotun. Oh. For you, those of you that don't know, this church is being Ikotun. And then we had one name. Like, it's not, not a celebration church. People know it. And then even if you don't know it, it sounds like a name you would know. But then the name of the church was Life Triumphal. Ha! Praise the Lord. Imagine if she married somebody who said, why would you be giving a man of God room and board? For what? Some of you are dating people that have no respect for spiritual authority. I don't want to say you will regret it because I hope you don't marry them, but it's a regrettable decision. Take it for someone that has counseled people. It's a regrettable decision. If people don't fear, if they don't honor people, they don't fear God. They can say that they do. But if they don't honor people, if they don't honor your pastor, if they don't honor reasonable, you know some, sorry, some prophets are not very reasonable. The ones that can be controlling. But if they don't honor spiritual authority in your life, they actually don't fear God. They are just, they are just messing with you. Praise the Lord. Love is visionary. So Rebecca follows this man to a land that she has never been. And she becomes part of the lineage of Christ. The Bible says that Rebecca was barren and Isaac prayed to God for her. She could have married somebody that would not make her leave her hometown. But if she became barren, would he be a man who prayed to God for her? Many of us are making decisions based on what you can see right now, today. What they have today, who they know today. It doesn't matter. I'm hoping that you will learn to recognize people the way God sees them. So God is speaking to Jeremiah. He's telling him, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And Jeremiah is like, I'm a child. And he says, don't say you're a child. But then you as a prophet unto the nations. God has this ability to recognize you by your future. I'm hoping that when you come to your relationship decisions, you will recognize people that way. That you will not just see people for who they are today, what they look like today. You will recognize them for what God has called them to be. Even when the world did not know, I knew that I married the best person I could ever have married. Even when it's not, it's not recognizable, that thing, sorry to say, but it's lacking in our generation. We still treat people based on how much they have. On how successful we think they are. You have to do better. In life, in relationships, you have to do better. Love is visionary. So there's something about recognizing people by grace. And this is a unique example. I don't want you to have somebody who gets pregnant and they tell you it's Jesus they're carrying. Jesus has only come once. But Joseph and Mary, it took a certain sense of alignment. I don't know if you can picture it. Your girlfriend is pregnant. Everybody knows you waited. And then you still go ahead and marry her. Your friends will think you're a fool. Are you aware? They're going to think, this guy... I really thought he was smart. But he became the earthly father to God in the flesh. Think about that for a moment. Think about the bravery of Sarah. 
versus the cowardice of Lot's wife. And I feel like she and Lot, they kind of fit. Because you are with somebody who has the promise. And then your guys are fighting with his guys and he tells you, take the choicest land and you take. The truth is that not all of us will, will have, how do I explain this? Not all of us will be the ones who have the call upon our lives. Some of us will be called to align. Sometimes that alignment will be in relationships, in dating relationships. You have to recognize it. It's not enough to just say, well, I have my own dreams. How can you ask me to do this, to be here? I have my own dreams. You need to recognize the call of God. If you discern it, you will make good choices. Some of you might not even be in dating relationships, you might be in friendships. To discern the call of God and align. I recognize early enough that being a part of Celebration Church was one of the best things that have ever happened to me. Best. So I would jokingly tell my husband, I said, do you know what? As your husband, you can be like this sometimes. But as my pastor, I've never faulted you once. Some of you are like, ah, let me touch the I can't marry a pastor gang. Just a little. So you are saying that God will have a son he cannot call to serve him because of you. Who are you? That if you marry a regular guy who doesn't yet know that a call to ministry is waiting for him in front, his Lord and Master cannot call him to the, to the battlefront because of you. That you will make it difficult to you. You that if you are lying, God will take you to places you never have seen or touched by yourself. See, I'm not, it's good to have good dreams. If you have God dreams, it will open your eyes. God has asked someone to lead your relationship, sends a person to another country. I don't think I want to travel. Is it even if the Lord has told you you have to stay in this country for so and so and so? See, are you hearing what I'm saying? Love is visionary. You are not a, a normal person that gauges a guy by six packs. It's nice if you like six packs. God will give you the one that has six packs. But there's something deeper I'm talking about. You're talking about your future. I was telling them in the first service when we first... And this is not even a story I share, but I've been really receiving it not to talk in this direction. I'm going to mention it. When we received a call to go to Abuja, oh yeah, was that 2018? End of 2017, beginning of 2018. I was supposed to resume my PhD that year. I already had admission. It never came up once. Often I say I've not done PhD, but the things that God has helped me do in that season... So I know that you know how to align when it comes to your career. God will tell you, I don't want you to work here. I want you to work here. But you're dating somebody. And God is leading him because men lead relationships. And sometimes God is leading her because sometimes you might not be Deborah, but you're married to one. So that's why that discernment, what works for me might not work for you. Do you understand? 
It might be in God's plan for you to do PhD before you're 30. But putting the leading of the Holy Ghost above your personal desires will help you. Especially in your relationships. Some of you, the coconut head is just, you don't want it to be that people said you did this because of a relationship. But if that's what the Lord is leading you to do, if that's what God is leading you to do, don't, don't stop thinking small. My dreams, my plans, my ambitions. Another thing is this. One great way to know who your spouse is is whether they see you the way the Lord sees you. Can they recognize the call of God upon your life? So, on one hand, you might make what people would call sacrifices. On the other hand, it helps to make sacrifices when you are with somebody who sees you the way God sees you. Do you understand that? Who can look at your life and not just look at where you are now? Today, I think this year makes it about 11 years since I first became a pastor. It was a pastor that ordained me. And I remember, sure, it wasn't even a special ordination. We were like 10 in the meeting. And he called some of us out. And I remember somebody I respected say, ah, that is not a pastor. <laughs> and the person laughed. Because I didn't look like it. Obviously. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So I'm speaking to you. My wife must not walk gang. And I say, ah, a woman is first, first vice president of the U.S. You're also posting it. You. God has many people to forgive. My wife must not work gang. You are also posting it. Praise the Lord. So recognizing people by grace, love is visionary. I must marry, marry a millionaire. How much is money? No matter how much money is, it's cheap. If you make decisions solely on money, it doesn't matter how much. You are still cheap. There's something bigger at play here. God has an overarching plan for mankind. How can your relationship play a role in that plan? That's the question you ask yourself. Praise the name of the Lord. Some of you, maybe God wants to bring a Rahab into your life. I must marry a virgin. I'm hearing sound of broken tables. Is it my ear? Of course, you should keep yourself. But the truth is that there are going to be physical virgins in hell. They don't believe in Jesus. They ain't never done it. It don't matter. Because what makes a person saved is faith. And I'm not saying that when you now become saved, you do anything. That's not what I'm teaching you. You can't believe that that's what I'm teaching after everything I've said. But I want you to have an open mind. Not a mind that is open regardless of the word of God, but a mind that's shaped by the word of God. So we have the word of God and then we have convictions by the spirit of God on your inside. That will help you recognize people by grace. That will help. When there's no marriage in heaven, that's true. But when your works are tested, they will not be untouched by a spouse. You cannot fulfill ministry 
regardless of who you're married to. It doesn't work, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Sometimes there's a great kind of intervention, but many times, do you realize that the people who their husbands are beating them, who spend time moving from mountain to mountain, praying that their spouses are faithful, they also have an assignment. But they no longer have time for that assignment because they've married the wrong person. So the ability to discern people by grace, by the Spirit of God, very, very important. To see the visions of God. That's why I can never understand the logic behind marrying an unbeliever. How would they see the biggest deal that there is in life? How would they know that the biggest thing that's important to God is to see all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What will you guys be talking about? What will you be dreaming about? Apart from money and having fun, what else? If you're not talking about taking the world for the gospel, what on earth are you talking about? So your relationship goals should drive you to a bigger goal. The goal to take the world for the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So let me ask you, as someone who is in a relationship now, how are you helping your partner fulfill God's plan for their life? Now, wow. So you are going to church again. Online service again. Didn't you attend first service? You are not the goal of life. Christ is. Christ is. Next thing I will mention is that love is a choice. Love is a choice. I want you to think about the first time you tasted raw strawberries. How many of you loved it? How many of you thought you would love it? Especially because of all these songs and then how beautiful it looks. And then another thing, Oyubo people, they always eat it like Ah, we've been scammed in this part of the world. It looks good, but it don't taste good. <laughs> There's another one. This one has a very nice name, olives. Have you eaten olives before? If you go to buffet, when I worked as a journalist, I didn't really used to sleep in nice hotels, but they used to hold press conferences at all those nice hotels. And that was my first time I've seen olives. It's green like this, and has a nice name. Say, so let me try it. It's not by name. It's not by look. It's not by color. If you went to a buffet and you were asked to choose only one item, and that would be the only item you eat, so you have like various items, you won't choose it in a hurry. You also might not choose what every other person is choosing. Because do you know that some people like cola nuts? That's normal, not aliens, human beings. <laughs> they eat it for fun. Some people, I don't, the one I don't understand is guarding egg. I don't get it. Is it like, it's like, okay, just choose a punishment. And I say, okay, this one is better than kneeling down. Then they will now deceive you. And I say, it's because you don't eat it with granuts. It's because you don't eat it with granite paste. It's because you eat the green one and not the white one. All of them. <laughs> but that's the thing. Love is a choice. 
Shah, date intelligently, pray. But let me just encourage you to choose the one you like. It's good. Your family members like him or her. Beautiful. Your pastor, maybe it's even me. I like the person. Beautiful. Shah, it's your choice. You can't get married without your consent. Like, I didn't want to marry him. My parents forced me. How? Except you were tied, kicking and screaming to the altar. You were not forced. People can pressure you. They can threaten you. They can threaten to cut you off. They can try to convince you. They can try to manipulate you. Nobody can force you into a relationship. Nobody can force you into a marriage. I'm not saying you shouldn't be open to people introducing other people to you, even if it's your parents. Sometimes parents make the best plugs. Some of your moms have been telling you, follow me for wedding. You stay at home praying for husband. When you are supposed to go to where the husbands are. But when it comes down to it, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, you have a choice. Love is a choice. Nobody should force you, not parents, prophets. Can I say that again? Not parents, prophets. Not society. Nobody should force you. Not everybody knows we are dating. Nobody should force you into a marriage. Nobody. It's your choice. It's your decision. You can't be in a relationship and not know. Like, when you guys say, I don't even know how it happened, though. Just... You can't, you can't do that. Love is a choice. Growing in a relationship is a choice. Choosing to stop having coconut head is what? Choosing to forgive is what? Choosing to walk away so that you don't keep forgiving some things that give you hypertension is what? It's a choice. And it's a choice that I hope you take in a dating relationship. The choice to walk away especially so that you don't have to take it in a marriage. It's just that nobody's perfect. If you keep breaking up every small thing, you'll be tired. But when I say nobody's perfect, it doesn't cover constant unfaithfulness. When I say nobody's perfect, it doesn't cover abuse. Do you understand what I'm saying? For example, there is a basket of oranges. I said they are not really that. No, none of them is perfect. Will you now go and choose the one that is rotting because none of them is perfect? You choose the nicest one, right? That's my advice to you. Love is a choice. Love is what? All right. And then the next one, love is sexy. Welcome to church. Somebody say, oh, I've not heard your voice since the beginning of this message. Because, I mean, if God wanted life to be boring... It would have made body parts to be unattractive. Like, I don't want to give any examples, Sajo. You would have said, when you want to have children, since my desire is for you to be fruitful and multiply, just husband and wife come, sneeze on each other, sneeze on each other seven times. Seven times for a girl, five times for a boy. But those body parts that give you pleasure, who created it? It can never be the devil. Too stupid. It doesn't have an idea on how to create sex. 
sex was God's idea. He made it. And it was not just for procreation. <laughs> you know, there's some marriage vows I hear. <laughs> there was one I heard. Say, I chose this person as my wife. I didn't choose her because I lost after her. I, mean, I, didn't choose, I didn't choose her because I lost it after her. Or because of my manly needs or something, something. <laughs> I said, yeah. Please, don't marry someone you're not attracted to. I can't help you. I can't help. Listen, what I said is that attraction should not be the only thing. But that you marry someone you're not attracted to. It's possible that you can be attracted to someone and the whole world can't see why. They can't see why. They can't... <laughs> They cannot see why, but you can see it. As long as, as long as physical attraction, physical attraction is a personal thing. As long as you feel it, you see it. Ah. Someone asked me that, do you feel, what's the word? Do you feel, what's the word, what's the word, what's the word? Do you feel someone when people pay attention to your husband? I'm like, ah. They're girls. Ah, no. There's something he likes about the way I look. And many of them were there before he married me and he chose me. I don't feel anything. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Very, very secure. But you, so you're, you're dating someone. Also give them reason to be secure now. Don't be... You too now. Also try. Don't be talking to all the girls and say, say, P.L. says she's secure. That's not what I'm teaching you. <laughs> all right. Love is sexy, but love is more than sexy. So sex was God's idea. The same way, sometimes it's my idea to fry chicken for my children. What is not my idea is for them to put their hand inside the hot oil when the chicken is not ready. Do you understand the difference? So love is sexy, but love is more than sexy. I've done that 5% rule before. Average sexual encounter on a very, 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 very... How many varies have I said? Is up to 10? Very, 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 very good day. One hour. Like, the day is so good. I'm not dashing your hope. Sex is great. But every Southern Uganda is one hour. Married people, yes or yes? <laughs> ah, okay, sorry. Married people, is it more? No, it's not more. One hour is too much. It's too much. But I just use that single people. I'm just hearing hearts broken, broken, broken. Is it one hour? Sorry, this is church. But everybody has thought about sex before, so that means you can talk about it. What about that? Even if, no matter how many rounds you do, it's unlikely that you will be having sex for more than one hour. Like, you know, it's not a full-time job. <laughs> oh, my God. So there's more. There's more to marriage than sex. That's like 5% of 24 hours. You, which test do you do that you score 5% that you pass and you went to show your mother? Sex is great, but it's not everything. And many of you, you started dating, you started touching, and the more you touch, the less you talk. So you are growing physically intimate, but emotionally you are disconnected. Spiritually you are also disconnected. And then you feel like you're going further and further apart. See, let me tell you something. 
The fact that you've had sex doesn't mean that you are any less loved by God. Did you hear me? So the goal of scripture is to exhort, is to correct, is to reprove. It's also to instruct in righteousness. So this is it. So this is not you've had sex, you are now condemned. Accept forgiveness. Accept the forgiveness of God. And please, forgive yourself and move on. Because guilt is not enough to keep you from sinning. You can cry. After crying, you do round two. <laughs> so, when you feel bad, the idea is not to think that the, the worse I feel, the better I'll behave. It's not true. And you guys know what I'm talking about. So, pastor has taught you God see guilt. Accept the forgiveness of God. Then you take better decisions going forward. And one of them is accountability. If you guys have had sex before in a dating relationship, it's easier to stay away from each other when you have someone you're accountable to. Because sin thrives in secrecy. So you have pastors, you have leaders that you can open up and talk to and say, okay, this is our wedding date. Because the truth is that if you are still dating, you've had sex and you're still dating and you don't have an idea of when you're going to get married, you know, go balance. Because if you've done it before, you are likely to do it again, naturally. Do you understand that? So it makes sense to, I'm not saying marry because of sex. If you know that you don't want to marry each other, kindly take a break from each other and move on. But accountability will help you. Even if you haven't had sex before, it will help you to be accountable, right? When you're in a dating relationship. It will help you if you're accountable when you're in a dating relationship. Um, another one, sensibility. How to abstain from sexual temptation. Sensibility. In bracket, and output flyability. I don't let to use ability, ability. Wouldn't leave the word, you know, adding up. Flyability. In secondary school, I had this babe that I used to say, not babe, because my secondary school babe meant something different. I went to a girl's school, very annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, so this girl, not babe, used to say that if she had a boyfriend, they could both sleep on the same bed and nothing would happen. Are you trying to prove a point or you're trying to abstain from sin? Which one? So you're like, can we go on vacation together? There's something about being in a different environment that makes you feel like you're invisible. That's the reason why many times when people have sex, it's in all those kind of environments where nobody's watching, nobody's there to keep you accountable. So common sense, the things your parents told you, Use them. It's unlikely that you're going to now start having sex in a public place. That's normal people, if you're normal. <laughs> it's unlikely that you just go to, maybe you guys only meet in public places. But it's all those, don't worry, I'm coming to your house, nothing will happen. That's the problem. So if, you, if you're going to abstain, which you should, it will help you. Common sense things. Stop being the person at every relationship seminar who is always asking, how far is too far? Can we kiss but not hold? I'll stop. Oh my God. So, accountability, fleeability, or sensibility, Holy Ghost ability. Because when it comes down to it, you are not a slave to sin. The fact that you have done it before doesn't mean that you are now helpless. And you must continue to do it. You have the Holy Spirit on your inside. That means you have the ability to do this by the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. 
So don't feel like you've done this before. There's no way forward. You have the Holy Ghost, the most powerful being in heaven and on earth lives in you. Praise the Lord. Who? I'm going to wrap up with this. Love is the fruit of your spirit. Love is the fruit of your spirit. You are not just a product of your childhood or your past. You are a product of grace. Please, if you don't know anybody that has been abused, anybody that has been sexually abused, if you don't know anybody that has been sexually abused, can I see your hand? You don't know anybody. In this service, we have one person. Please, can you look around? So we had just one person raise up your hand. So many of us are coming from a lot of brokenness. As a guy, you don't feel you can be faithful because like father, like son. But you're a son of God. As a woman, you don't feel like you have the ability to love because you've been abused or you've been hurt. But love is not a function of where you're coming from. It's a fruit of your born-again spirit. You have love on your inside. And it's crazy how nearly every person... Pedophilia is so rampant in our society. So rampant. But we rarely talk about it. And for every pedophile, there are many children who have been hurt. Who are now adults. Trying to make sense of relationships, make sense of love because you never saw it growing up. But love is a fruit of your born-again spirit. So you have the ability to love like Christ, to forgive like Christ. You're not your past. You're not your hurts. You're not your pain. You're someone who is loved by God, known by him, and you can love like him. Praise the Lord. But I want you to really spend time praying and talk to the Lord and say, I have the ability to love like Christ. I have the ability to make wise decisions as regards my relationship. And from today, I do so in the name of Jesus. I walk in love. I walk in forgiveness. And for as many who may have been broken, there's healing for you in today's service. There's healing for you. For as many of you may have made the wrong decisions, wisdom and grace is made available to you. Thank you, Jesus, for the love that your spirit gives, for the healing that your spirit brings, and for the wisdom that your spirit has given unto us. This wisdom works in our families. Is at play in our families. I want you to just take a minute to pray and begin to speak over your family and your life. I make the right decisions regardless of how many wrong ones I may have made. I declare that I will have a fruitful home. I will have a happy marriage. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I make the right decisions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, 
reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.